Vector, the lines company, has recently created electric vehicle trends trackers, which shows that EV ownership in Auckland is up almost 200% in two years. So then that growth begs the question, is the city's infrastructure prepared? But when the cars leave the city, are you going to be able to charge them? And what about the small town New Zealand electricity supply? Is that going to hold up? Vector's chief executive Simon McKenzie is with us. Kia ora, Simon. Kia ora. How are you, Susie? I'm well, thank you. Um, but yeah, what does this mean for electricity and power and how much there is to go round? Yeah, sure. Look, I think the, the first point is with regards to the EV tracker we um, obtained the data from the Ministry of Transport and then put that over our maps of Auckland to identify where we are seeing the growth of EVs, which really does help look at where are EVs showing up in some parts of the city versus others. The key point being is that, you know, as it currently stands, we're meeting all the demand for the EVs, but as the amount of EVs increase um, over the years, then we need to actually firstly look at how we can apply smart charging to them such that when people plug in, they're not all plugging in at the same point in time and creating a significant amount of load on the network. Uh, And it's more like orchestrating that load and spreading it out so that we don't have to upgrade the network. And, you know, our analysis currently shows that if... um, we don't have that type of smart charging over the next 30 years, then we could um, be in for a significant increase in load. But with smart charging, we can roughly half that increase in load, uh, which means that the network doesn't have to be uh, as heavily invested in and saves around $3 billion. Because I guess when you plug your EV in, it's a constant draw on the power. It's not like a kettle where you, you you switch it on and it, uses what it needs to and then it boils and switches itself off. And so is that why this can really stretch some of the smaller, more rural areas? Because it's not as simple if you're going away on a road trip as booking a powered site at a campground, is it? Yeah, no, it, look, you raised some really good points. The, the, the kind of key thing to think about is it's a function of, you know, what size the battery is in the vehicle, um, how, how, how much energy is left in the battery. So, for example, what we see is people that are just driving around Auckland through the day and then topping their their um, car up maybe from just plug it into a wall socket, you, you kind of use about one and a half kilowatts. But if the battery uh, is fully, fully low, then it could be up to three kilowatts. And then if someone has a fast charger at home, uh, you know, that typically takes about three to four kilowatts of energy over a, a reasonable period of time. But if the battery's pretty much low, it could be seven kilowatts. So it's a function of how much energy is left in the battery uh, and then what size is the battery and then how many other people are wanting to charge at the same time with given that there's a fixed amount of capacity in the network. And so it's that kind of relationship that when... For example, people might drive to a campground in a more rural part of the country and all of a sudden a whole lot of people turn up from a long trip. Their batteries are pretty low. They all want to plug in. The amount of energy that's demanded goes up exceptionally high and then the uh, the network is just not designed to cater for that. So the solution comes down to 
everyone being able to plug in, but it being for what we call orchestrated through smart charges. So it's a bit like an air traffic controller. They all get to start and finish at different times, but typically overnight. And, um, and or that in some of these other communities, like we see the government proposing is to put in, you know, dedicated smart charging infrastructure that is that has a um, more capacity in it to that electric charging station, which is a fast charger. Mm. Here's a bit of a wrinkle that uh, Don has been in touch with, um, saying that there are hundreds of older Nissan Leafs on Waiheke Island off Auckland. Um, Don says the majority use a charger with a household three-pin plug. I've been told there's no timer that can cope with the amperage and then allow us, therefore, to uh, use low-cost power in the midnight hours. Um, He says my outside circuit is 20 amps and the Sparky says that's okay. An effective timer would save, obviously, lots of money, but also the power requirements on the island could be balanced because you could set a timer for your charger to kick in in the middle of the night? Yeah, look, I think certainly that's why we're advocating for smart charges. I mean, you know, as things progress um, with more and more vehicles, certainly with the older generation of EVs, and, you know, like we saw with the Nissan Leafs, they had a much smaller battery capacity. Again, it comes down to how empty is the battery when the um, vehicle's wanting to be charged. But the point around timing is exactly why we've been advocating for smart charges. So a a special, um, essentially, charging box put on the side of the house that can actually set that timing function that speaks to uh, a overall control system. Um, that control system looks at what's going on in the network and makes sure that the car can be charged and We've seen this mandated in the UK now where smart charges are, are mandated for that specific pur- purpose to, to better manage those charging times and at the same time provide a secure and more affordable network into the future. Mm. Speaking of a network, um, I suppose, of public EV chargers, the Transport Minister is saying that he wants 10,000 of them. Is that a simple enough rollout or how do you see the details and the nitty-gritty of that coming together? Because I guess you really have to get these in the right places, not just, uh, you know, within the cities. Um, But what about rural areas? They might not get used much, but what if they get used a lot for a couple of months in the summer? No, absolutely. And I I think there's there's a number of points there. It comes down to how how do you size them? Um, How often are they going to be used? Um, And then what capacity are, are you going to need to support that um, public charging station, then the the real rub comes down to who pays for it. So, for example, if it was a, a small rural community but that had a lot of visitors through summer or a few times a year, um, and it, they're very expensive to upgrade the network to, to meet that extra load when it turns up for very short periods of time, you know, the residents of that community shouldn't be left paying for a significant network upgrade that... Uh, is being basically used by people from out of town. Uh, And so I think that's one of the challenges with the EV rollout about how does the government not only pay for the charging station, but also the network upgrades. And it's it's often much more efficient to locate that network upgrade, uh, sorry, charging station next to what we would call a substation where 
the bulk power turn comes into the area and then you you can actually put a a much higher voltage and a larger connection closer to it so you don't have to run long lengths of overhead lines or cables that cost a lot of money so I, i think there's a few functions there so you know basically where where does it need to be located how often and who pays uh, Ian's been in touch with an interesting question on this. Um, he's interested to know what the situation is for solar energy installations associated for powering EVs. And he says he knows people who love running on sunshine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the issue is is that there's no reason why, um, you know, most of it comes down to household solar. Um, if you've got household solar and you basically can put that into back into charging your vehicle, then that that's usually fine. A lot of the thinking nowadays is though that if if the solid sun's shining through the day, but you're at work, how do you utilise that energy? Uh, quite often now, it's obviously being coupled up with the batteries to store that energy, and then have that released to your vehicle at night. So. You know, um, there's a few solutions there. I mean, obviously, if you've just got solar and it's basically generating energy and it's back into uh, in, into the energy system, then retailers usually offer a buyback rate. Um, but some customers may actually say, well, I'd like to put in solar, put in battery, connect that uh, into my vehicle and discharge that energy from the solar at night when I'm charging my electric vehicle. Equally, we are seeing and we've run trials with EV um, being charged and batteries and then being able to put the energy from the batteries back into the back into the home if there's a, an outage or there's a, uh, you know, an event such as a major storm coming through. So those are all technologies that have to be coordinated, but um, are certainly here and now more than viable. Mm. Lots of people getting in touch about this. Um, it's clearly something that people are very interested in. How long do you see it being before some of these upgrades are going to have to be done to substations and the like to make sure that they have enough capacity to take on chargers? I think that goes back to the point around what's what why what's the purpose of our EV tracker. So, for example, we're seeing... Um, you know, where EVs are being purchased, where they're actually located in Auckland, for want of a better word. We're seeing growth rates, 200% uh, increase in EVs over the last couple of years. Our high growth areas for EVs are areas such as CBD, East Tamaki, Remuera, Ellerslie. So for us, that's why it's really important, because if we kind of think about it in the context of each suburb has a substation, it then sends the power around the suburb and down the streets. So we need to know by street by street, is there a lot of um, EVs turning up, um, first steppers connecting those to a smart charging infrastructure will defer the need to uh, upgrade that part of the network. But we're always upgrading our network. Last year, I think we spent in the order of $550 million dollars for the growth of Auckland and upgrading the network, which is not just EVs, but it's the intensification of housing and just the growth of Auckland. So that's why we have to monitor really closely. Uh, and how how long until we have to do it is really a case-by-case, suburb-by-suburb, street-by-street type of function. So that's why we have the EV tracker to really monitor mm. what's going on and, and um, in which location.
Interesting stuff. Thank you very much for your time this morning and for answering some of our listeners' questions here on Saturday morning. That's Simon McKenzie, Vector's Chief Executive, talking about the situation with EVs.